0: better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis, live every weekday at noon Eastern. Welcome into the March 2nd edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Tyler Uremchuk and Frank Saravalli with you here in the month. Got off to a bang in the NHL. Frank, how's it going?
1: I'm good, Tyler. How are you?
0: I am fantastic. I always consider it a nice feather in my cap to get to host shows with you. I'm just hoping I, I execute did the there. show better than the than the Wheel of Fortune uh, contestants executed that puzzle yesterday. That was both the most hilarious and painful two minutes of TV I've watched in a while.
1: Yeah, I mean that was really quite something. I, I'm still trying to piece together both the the missed guesses, the solves. And also just some of the letters that were thrown out there, like at one point a G, like I I could not stop laughing.
0: It was hilarious. If you haven't seen it, go go look it up. It's well worth your time. Uh, let's get to the hockey, though. We have 30 minutes of straight hockey dot coming. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the board and start with March 1st in the NHL. We are coming down the stretch of the NHL's regular season. And last night did not disappoint you. Had the Columbus Blue Jackets picking up two points in their win over New Jersey. They're only eight back of the Washington Capitals now with a game in hand. Lucas Raymond scores the game winner late in OT for the Red Wings. And just as you're thinking... Is Lucas Raymond now the Calder favorite? Trevor Zegra says, hold my beer. He scores a late winner in their win over the Boston Bruins. The Ducks still in the playoff picture. You had Miko Koskinen shutting out the Flyers. The Flames sweep the home and home with the Minnesota Wild. Robin Leonard only allows one in the Golden Knights win over the Sharks. The Winnipeg Jets hang eight on the Montreal Canadiens. It was a wild night, Frank. What stood out to you?
1: Well, aside from the fact that Robin Leonard revealed that I have a medical doctor's degree?
0: (laughs) I wasn't sure if I was going to joke about it or not, but all right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, uh, totally fair. Um, but certainly some fun from Robin Leonard as well. After I reported on his injury, the torn labrum a couple weeks back. Uh, but what stands out to me is the Calgary flames who are a really formidable foe, not just in the Pacific division, but after back-to-back wins over the Minnesota wild have cemented themselves as a contender to come out of the West. They're going to be, With their style of play and how well it should translate to the Stanley Cup playoffs, they're going to be a tough out. And you look at how that game shaped up against the Minnesota Wild. You read the comments from Dean Evason and the Wild coming in. They were just throttled by the Wild over the weekend. They were angry. They were ready to go. And yet, it's the Calgary Flames with a lopsided 5-1 victory. They've now outscored the Minnesota Wild by a 12-4 margin over those two games. And it's the way the calgary flames win their complete game yes uh they can play defense but they can also score they had one clunker in the month of february uh where they gave up a seven spot but if you look at their last uh they've got 12 wins in their last 13 games nearly a perfect month in the month of february and in their 12 wins they allowed 19 goals, just a shade over one and a half goals per game. Jacob Markstrom is squarely in the Vezina Trophy race and Calgary has gone to another level. You think about their trip through the U.S. Southeast to, to uh, you know, just around the holidays to start the new year and how they were beaten up a bit. And it was a, an important measuring stick against teams like the Panthers and the Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, They've retooled their game a bit. They got that wake-up call, and Daryl Sutter's team is cruising right along.
0: Yeah, it really looks like no one in the Pacific Division is going to be able to catch the Calgary Flames for the rest of the year. Even if they only played 500 hockey down the stretch here, they're still going to finish the season with 100 points. One team that is, or the team that is currently sitting right behind the Flames in the Pacific, though... I'm not sure very many people would have seen this coming. It's the LA Kings. Our colleague Chris Gear has a story up at dailyfaceoff.com about this team and one of the lines is if we didn't notice the LA Kings before, it might be time to pay attention. And I think that's bang on, Frank. They have 65 points in 54 games. Last season, they only had 49 points total in the shortened 56-game season. Guys like Adrian Kempe, I mean, 25 goals for Kempe, unreal. You see Arvidsson and Deneau there. They're both likely going to hit 20 goals this season. Quick and Pedersen have both been consistent and solid for this team. Heading into the deadline, Kings aren't going to be sellers, Frank, but how aggressive do you think they'll be on the buying front?
1: Yeah, I think they're a real wild card team. I think that they're in the mix on a lot of different things in terms of how they could potentially improve their team. But I think the key to look at is it's probably not going to be on the rental front. This is a team that's building for the next number of years. And I sort of view the Los Angeles Kings at this point as a lowercase version or the Western Conference version of where the New York Rangers are at the moment. You look at the Rangers, they're in in contender mode with how they've played this season. They've got cap space, they've got star players, uh, they've got their goaltender, they've got their NARS trophy winner on the back end. And the Kings, maybe their core is a little bit longer in the tooth when you have Kopitar there and you have Drew Doughty. But when you look at the Los Angeles Kings and what they have coming, the prospects that they have in their pipeline, maybe second only to the New York Rangers in terms of that pipeline and and sort of top end ability. Some would say that the Kings have the best. And we could ask Chris Peters this uh, in our next wave edition that we'll talk to shortly. But this is a team that has so much going for it, so much on the way. Um, and so when you look at that, they're really in an enviable spot. They have maybe a little bit of cap flexibility, not a ton at this year's deadline, Um, but they're in a spot where they could move some of those assets if they feel like they could get a piece with some term, maybe a guy like Jacob Chikrin that they could be in the mix for. Certainly seems to be some interest there from Rob Blake and the Kings, Uh, but there's lots of different directions that the Kings could go to add pieces that can help them both now and in the future, which I think is so key.
0: Yeah. And you also wonder, I mean, you look at that pipeline, so loaded, so many waves coming through that system. You wonder if maybe that leaves them more open to maybe dealing a first or a second round pick in these upcoming drafts. Just because, I mean, with the amount of guys coming up, like you can almost be a little bit more willing to move those picks, no?
1: Well, yeah, I think that's part of it. But the other truth of it, and and this is what other teams with loaded pipelines will also be facing at a certain point. And I, and, and people thought I was actually nuts when I brought up the idea of Braden for the New York Rangers. You've got Fox on the right side. You've got Truba on the right side. As good as Braden Schneider looks, tell me where he's going to play the next number of years. Teams are at some point aren't going to have spots available for all these players. I I mentioned the Sens. They're going to be in a similar spot at some point when they get to be really competitive. You can't keep everyone. And if you've had an ability to evaluate, maybe there's a team out there that values one of your prospects more than you do, and you could potentially make a swap on that front. So picks, prospects, you name it, uh, LA is going to be a place to be for the next number of years in the NHL.
0: Let's stick with the trade talks here and get to a new trade targets list that will be dropping i believe later today and let's start with one of the names that could be appearing philip zadina the sixth overall pick in 2018 is there a chance that zadina has a new home by deadline day
1: there is a chance and i think the way to best explain the zadina situation is that i think a potential change of scenery is in order here you take a look at a guy that there was so much excitement around going back to the 2018 draft and the red wings grabbing him at number six overall um he was known as one of those guys that could shoot the lights out and i think as he's gotten into his career obviously some pandemic shortened seasons along the way um but He's a guy that's been recognized now as someone that perhaps plays a little bit more on the perimeter and isn't able to really get the quality of chances that teams would like. And, and another reason why he may be available, look at his ice time. Um, it's dropped considerably. It's down two and a half minutes from last season alone. He was a healthy scratch for one game in January, then came back the next night, didn't play very much. Um, I I think there's certainly a question about uh, his deployment and use, his fit in Detroit. And I think a lot of teams looked at his month of February. He was on the Red Wings top line from February 9th through the 26th, a six-game stretch where he put up two goals in them. And teams around the league viewed that as a showcase opportunity. Why is Philip Zadina playing up in the lineup Uh, they viewed that as a classic sort of pump and dump. Let's get this guy's value up and then let's potentially make a move. It's possible that Zadina, a pending RFA, is on the move before the deadline. It also could be one of those deals that maybe waits until the summer.
0: Another name that could be uh, seeing his name on the trading block is Kasperi Kapanen out in Pittsburgh. 11 goals in 40 games last year, down to 9 goals in his first 54 this year. What are you hearing about Kapanen?
1: yeah kapanen's an interesting piece for the pittsburgh penguins because you look at their group and you say well they're probably not going to be making a ton of changes here Um, they've had a successful season they've challenged and been right near the top of the metropolitan division um, for the bulk of the season and you look at where they're heading down the line in terms of future years you know they're not going to be selling off pieces but That also means that at the same time, they're not going to be trading futures as well to try and help this team in the moment. So is there a a swap that you could make if you're the Penguins for another guy that is a pending RFA? And when you look at his career totals, you look at some of the seasons he's had. Uh, and in an ARB case, he's probably looking at somewhere in the four to four and a half million dollar range. Do the Pittsburgh Penguins want to pay Kasperi Kapanen that? I think that they'd be totally welcome to the idea of keeping him uh, through the trade deadline to help them with their playoff push. But if you're looking to target uh, one player on the Pittsburgh Penguins roster that could move before the deadline, Kasperi Kapanen would be the guy.
0: Very interesting stuff. It's certainly a team to watch. Is one of those Eastern Conference teams whose playoff spot is solidified. Let's go back to the West here. And yesterday, we spent the first couple of topics on the show talking about Blackhawks' new GM, Cal Davidson, and his potential plan. Davidson had a chance to speak yesterday in his introductory press conference. And some things that really stood out to me, um, he really didn't hesitate to use the word real rebuild instead of a retool in Chicago and also there seemed to be a general vibe of patience he said we're not going to put a timeline on this rebuild and the other thing was talking about Patrick Kane and Jonathan Hayes saying they'll be in the loop on these decisions as well you look at those two getting to their mid-30s unrestricted free agents at the end of next season you know I I'm just putting together puzzle pieces in my head kind of going you know if it's going to be a rebuild not a retool and it might take a while and these guys could be or are going to be unrestricted free agents in not this summer but next summer it really made me wonder about their futures in chicago
1: yeah, and I think that's fair. I think it's a question that at some point the Chicago Blackhawks are gonna have to have, whether it's now after Kyle Davidson is hired. You know, I doubt it's one of those things that pops up before the deadline. Certainly feels like something, if if anything happens, maybe in the summer. These are franchise icons. These are guys that, you know, Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves might ultimately have a statue outside of United Center one day, not far away from Michael Jordan. That's been their impact on this franchise. And so you want to make sure that you're up front and clear with those guys in terms of their conversation. So um, where this is heading, you know, I, I think a lot of teams around the NHL perked up when Kyle Davidson heard or used the word rebuild because they're saying, well, what are the other options? What are the pieces, you know, take Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and Seth Jones and put those aside for a second. Who are some of the names if you're going to be tearing it down and rebuilding if none of these guys in your group or very few of them outside of maybe Kirby Dock, who I think is a guy that the Chicago Blackhawks remain really high on, who among them could be potentially on the move? Uh Brandon Hagel is certainly high on our trade targets list. He's in the top 5. Does he inch up that board later today when it's released on dailyfaceoff.com? Uh what ha- what about a guy like Alex Debrinkit? Yes, a talented scorer, uh a potential 40-goal guy on a somewhat consistent basis. You know, what happens there? He's a guy that's going to be doing an enormous qualifying offer at a certain point. Um, you know, is he a guy that the Chicago Blackhawks would be keeping long-term? If if they truly are rebuilding and the goal is truly to collect as much talent as possible, you'd have to use all of the pieces, Tyler, in your arsenal in order to do that. The Brinkett would be one. Hagel would be another. Uh, you'd try and recoup as much as you can for your UFAs that are going to hit the market. A guy like Calvin DeHaan, for instance. And then you have the conversation, what do we do with a Patrick Kane who after this season will have one more year at $10.5 million remaining. I could also see Patrick Kane, if he's willing to sign up for the long haul, say, you know what, I'm in. I'm going to be the guy that helps lead uh, this team through the rebuild because you watch Patrick Kane's game and you say, there is no reason why with his skating ability, his high-end skill, his durability that he's had to this point, that he can't play until he's 40 years old and be a really productive player in the National Hockey League. So it's a multi-layered, multi-faceted conversation that Kyle Davidson is now beginning to have in Chicago.
0: Yeah, I was talking about this the other day, too. It seems like the easy decisions are kind of in the short term here with guys like DeHaan. And, you know, maybe if they can if they move on from Flurry as well, the tough decisions are going to come in the summer for the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Let's move on and get to the next wave with our friend Chris Peters delivered by DoorDash. Always a pleasure to welcome Chris Peters back into the show for the next wave delivered by DoorDash. And Chris, it is college and undrafted UFA season. Now uh, that window opening up the other day, looking at your list here, your top five that you sent in. Ben Myers is number one on your list, even though maybe he doesn't have the best numbers of the guys on that list. Um, But when you look at him, what, what makes this player so attractive to other NHL teams? I think it's all about his versatility.
2: I mean, he he can do a little bit of everything for you. He can play down the middle. He can play on the wing. He he's a good four checker. He's got, you know, real solid offensive skills. Just came back from the Olympics and he, you know, he hurried back from Beijing, first game back, finds his way to to State College, Pennsylvania, has three assists right off the hop there, um, right off the plane, essentially. And, you know, that's what he brings to the table. He's he's been a guy that's worn a letter at Minnesota. Um, he's got speed, you know, and, and when you're looking at college free agents, you're never really expecting to find a star. And Ben Myers is not going to be a star, but you look at a guy like Alex Iafalo at, at, in Los Angeles and the impact that he has had on the Kings since he's been there as an undrafted player. That's the value that you hope you can get from a player. I think Ben Myers is that kind of guy where he's got the versatility. He can play in a variety of different roles and he's got the offensive capabilities to be a good depth scorer for your team. So I think most if not all nhl teams should be calling him because i think of the undrafted free agents in college hockey this year to me he is the most surefire nhl player and then it's i also think he has the best upside to make a, a larger impact than you know you might expect from an undrafted free agent
1: Chris, one player that did not crack your top five is Corey Andonofsky from Princeton. He's someone that has generated a significant amount of interest uh, from NHL teams. This courting process is always interesting. You just mentioned Iafalo and you see these top five guys and you're saying, well, how can we find a way to to find a diamond in the rough? What might a team be getting with a player like Corey Andonofsky?
2: yeah well he he just missed. he's sixth, so you know he's going to be he'll be on the list that that publishes on on dailyfaceoff.com. But what they get from him is he's a very quick player. he's got speed, he's got tenacity. You know, having come from Princeton, which is an Ivy League school, the Ivy Leagues didn't play last season, so he had an entire year off. and you wonder how that impacts a player. Now, Princeton is one of the weakest teams in college hockey this year. They have not they're not very good. It's hard for guys to stand out. but Ananowski has twenty one points, he's got a good shot. He gets in the in tight you know he can he can make plays he's a competitive player and the speed I think is really a huge factor you look for NHL attributes and players because you know you're not going to get a full package player um, you know in in these types of college free agents I think Ananovsky's speed is probably his best attribute and the reason that teams are so interested in him and, and making the trip to Hobie Baker arena in Princeton and then and, and getting in there and making sure they get views of him and just as you've heard Frank I've heard as well. Teams have definitely put an added focus on getting to his
0: games and making sure they they get a good book on him. Let's wrap up with a little bit of talk north of the border and some Canadian university hockey. Noah Philp, since rejoining the University of Alberta Golden Bears, has eight goals in eight games. His brother Luke also starred at the U of A and put up some fantastic numbers before signing in the Calgary organization. What are you hearing about Philp? Is this a guy who's going to get a deal? I think he will. And I think
2: NHL teams are also looking more towards you sports players because of the fact that we're we a lot of these guys are losing time right they're losing time developmental wise they're losing all these opportunities to showcase themselves and so you're going back and doubling back and finding guys like this so what the attributes that noah philp has six foot three right shot center He's got good footwork. You know, he's, he can skate. He's fine. He's not a burner, but he skates well enough for a big guy. Very heavy shot. He's shown that off at, at, at University of Alberta. You know, I've watched more tape on him as I've heard more about him. And certainly, I don't think he's going to have you know every team after his services but he's such a rare commodity at that size and that ability and, and, and his scoring ability but i think teams are going to give him a long look get him into their ahl system see what they have out of him because he's got the size profile and this is a guy that's been through a lot over the last year you know there's there's been some things that have kept him out of the lineup that are kind of beyond his control and i, and I think teams are doing their homework on him But they're really liking what they're seeing. And certainly, I'm liking what I'm seeing on the video. Not a huge amount of tape on him this year because he has played a limited amount of games. But the fact that he was off, you know, had so much time off and has been able to come back this strong and score at the clip that he's scoring at it gives you a reason to say, okay, let's see, let's see what we have here. And so I think that, that Noah Phelps is certainly a guy that teams are going to be doing a lot of extra homework on, and I think he will have a pretty good list of, of suitors and, and teams that are interested in bringing him into their their system.
1: Chris, if we could take a quick look at your top five again, just uh, quickly, um, what among or who among those players you think could really step right into the NHL teams, especially non-playoff teams like to dangle that after you get to the other side of the trade deadline when college hockey season's over. Hey, you come to our team and sign now, we'll put you immediately into the NHL, but which of these guys do you think could stick?
2: Yeah, I think Myers is an immediate impact guy. I think he can come in and, and and help a team right now. I thought he looked great at the Olympics. I really liked the way that he played there among pros, and I and I really do like Bobby Trevino as well. He's undersized; he's about five foot eight. The speed is not necessarily what you're looking for all the time in a player of his size. But what he does have is he's got that incredible offensive ability. He was the MVP of the Frozen Four last year. He's played at UMass for for. Uh, Greg Carville, who has been a very good developer of pro talent. And I think that there's a lot of belief in Trevino's competitiveness, his work ethic, his tenacity, those types of things that kind of make up for maybe you know being the smaller guy. So I do think that he's the type of player that there will be enough teams interested that they will dangle that opportunity to play in the NHL right away. Um, and I think he's a really fascinating player. He's been invited to camps in the past. He's played, I think, Pittsburgh and, and New York. He's been invited to their player development camps, uh, New York Rangers. So, you know, I would be very, I would not be surprised to see a team that's that's looking for him because he's number two. And I think there's a pretty significant gap after Myers and Trevino in terms of the quality that you're getting. I think you're looking more at projects after that. Um, but also at the bottom of that list there, Mark McLaughlin also played in the Olympics He's strong. He's got the physical frame. He's also had a great scoring season and he's the reigning defensive forward of the year in hockey. So highly intelligent player and a high character guy as well. So those are the guys that I think you could, could conceivably see step in and help a team out.
0: Fantastic info. As always, Chris, once again, the segment delivered to you by DoorDash. Use those promo codes at the bottom of your screen. DFODD or DFODDUS if you're in the United States gets you 25% off and no delivery fees on your first order. This has been The Next Wave with Chris Peters. Fantastic stuff as always with Chris. And let's move on to our daily face off inbox question. Hashtag ask DFO. You can send them in on Twitter or hit up our Instagram DMs as well at daily face off. An article yesterday from ESPN Frank about the NHL expanding its data tracking a little bit. And I got a good chuckle out of the, uh, the lines in the story about potentially betting on face offs because I, I think that's a that's a little bit too far down the betting hole for me to be gambling on who's winning a face off, considering it's more or less just a coin flip. Um, but some interesting stuff coming from the league there. The question is, where would you like to see the league go with this data they're collecting in terms of making it available to the public?
1: Well, they're going to be making it available to teams first and teams are just beginning to get their their eyes and hands on it. So uh, that's why you've seen teams beef up their analytics department actually in recent days and weeks, because they know that that's coming and there's going to be a dump of data that they can now dive into. But from a fan perspective is like, just make it usable, make it something that people are interested in. There's so much info out there Find a way to implement it to the broadcast in a way that gets people excited, whether it's speed of a player on a break or a rush, or whether it's a shot speed or something like that, maybe making sure you've got a time on ice that you can flash up there if a players out for a long shift, make the information more digestible. I think that's been the biggest problem with uh, a lot of the data that the league's been collecting is broadcasters, especially have all of this at their disposal. And they say, well, what do we do with it? That and I think the technology has been a bit wonky. Go back to the 2019 All Star game in San Jose. We had this big press conference with Commissioner Gary Bettman, and they roll out oh, this is the next generation of how hockey fans are going to view it a second screen experience. I don't think people have been that interested. And part of it is because it's been so inconsistent in terms of how it's been deployed. Because there have been technology issues, they had issues with the pucks, that they had to take off the ice, you know, all those things have gone into it. And I'm with you. The biggest part of it is probably the biggest benefit from a fan perspective would be from the gambling aspect of it. But I think we're so far away from, you know, dealing in this case with the NHL's release on uh, Tuesday about face-off win probabilities The only people that could actually bet on face-offs are the people that are in the arena, unless you're coming out of a TV timeout, because the data doesn't move quickly enough. There's too much of a delay on the broadcast to actually be able to effectively bet live. Maybe that's where the sport's heading. But for me, I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see the interest being there in terms of deploying and using it and having it all digestible.
0: For me, from a fan perspective, it's consistency and availability. Like I even saw at the All-Star game this year. They were tracking, you know, who skated the furthest and, and all of that stuff. And I do find that interesting. But I rarely ever see it on broadcast and there's nowhere I can just go to access a bank of it and click around and be a stats nerd and see who has the average fastest speed, who's hit the highest speeds on their team, who's skated the most. So for me, my answer would be I'd like to see the league get to a point where this is just consistently available to fans. And I think that's when you might see interest go up in it a little bit. Um, you know, there was a bit of a betting tie in there, which goes nicely with our betting segment brought to you by points betting yesterday once again, the parlay of two favorites managed to hit for me, so I think I might be onto something there. I might keep rolling. Uh, not enough big favorites on the slate tonight to do it though. So let's jump into tonight's games courtesy of points bet with my first play. And it's the match up there at the bottom between the Nashville Predators and the Seattle Kraken. The Seattle Kraken have not been doing a lot of winning recently. They haven't gotten a win since February 11th. That's seven straight games. That they've lost one of which did come in overtime which is why their little streak on the side of the nhl standings doesn't say seven losses nashville is rested coming out of that stadium series game and they've been a great road team so far this season 15 9 and 4 on the road the kraken 9 17 and 3 on home ice, that's enough for me to want to lay some money on the Predators to win this game in regulation. And it's paying out minus 110, almost even money on a team that I think is definitely the better of the two and has been great on the road. So I'm all over that. And up next, we are going to the Leafs-Sabers matchup. And I really tried to find value here on betting on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Their goaltending has been suspect as of late, but their offense has not. There's not a lot of value. Like even the spread, the puck line for the Leafs is down at like the minus 170, 180 range as they take on the Sabers not worth it but I do think it's worth putting a little bit of money on Mitch Marner to go over a point and a half in this hockey game he's actually done it in three in a row and this number has hit in five of his last 10 as well it's hitting five of his last 10 and it's paying plus 125 I like the way those two numbers line up I think Marner can pick up two points tonight because I think the Leafs will be able to keep their offense rolling against the Buffalo Sabres so those are my two plays Frank Nashville in regulation and Mitch Marner to pick up two or more points against the Sabres
1: yeah. I love Mitch Marner and the entire Leafs offense has been rolling so much so that they've, in a lot of ways, papered over some of their goaltending woes. We talked about it on Tuesday. Jack Campbell, uh, since December 7th, 890 save percentage yet has a 10-4-2 record in that span. So really hard to, to figure out what's going on there. We'll see uh, after a little bit of rest if Jack Campbell also an opportunity from Coach Sheldon Keith to get his head right can rebound as well. That brings us to garbage time. Tyler, what's caught your attention from around the national hockey league? A little bit of a feel good story on Tuesday night
0: yeah the uh, ukrainian anthem at the jets game they had the male chorus providing the anthems for the game and i just thought this was a really neat story today we also heard that the ottawa senators will be playing the ukrainian anthem along with the american and canadian anthems at the rest of their home games this season but specifically with winnipeg and even with edmonton i'm hearing they might be doing something on the weekend when they return home from their road trip you know western canada has a very big ukrainian population I mean, my last name, Remchuk. that's part of it. I have Ukrainian heritage on both my mom and dad's side of the family. And, you know, I think there are a lot of people like myself who maybe don't have family over in Ukraine, but it's still deeply affecting them what's happening and, and with this Russian invasion. And I saw a lot of comments when there was videos being posted about the Jets anthem and, and what a cool moment it was. A lot of people saying this does nothing. It's just an empty gesture. But I think for a lot of people in Western Canadian in Western Canada of Ukrainian heritage, This kind of shows that their favorite teams are standing with them a little bit and it gives them, like you said, a little bit of a feel good story at a point when there's not a lot of feel good going on around the world. So a little bit of a stick tap to the Jets, the Senators and like I said, potentially the Oilers as well as they return home and a really good way for them to show some support for their Ukrainian fan base.
1: Yeah, exactly. It shows that they're listening to the community. You saw the posts on social media before they actually made the decision to have the chorus sing the Ukrainian national anthem. Fans were asking for it, saying we'd love to see it. And you want to say empty gesture like what kind of statement? What other way to show support aside from a, a monetary contribution or something? This is how hockey teams and NHL teams can show their support by standing with Ukraine. And uh, I just love to see it. I thought it was an emotional tribute and, and something that uh, I think we all sort of, you mentioned a stick tap. We all, a little tip of the cap there, a little maybe feather in the cap the way we uh, started the show. So certainly uh, a nice gesture by the Jets, the Sens, and potentially the Oilers.
0: Yeah, and a nice way uh, to bring the show full circle there, Frank. Uh, that's going to do it for the March second edition of the Daily Faceoff show. Keep it locked on Daily Faceoff for all your hockey needs. In the meantime, and we'll be back with a new show tomorrow.
2: Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.